From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to episode 224 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, executive producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing perfect. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. Happy uh, first day of summer. That's that's when we're recording this episode. I celebrated the same way all other Floridians do. I sat inside and just soaked up all of my air conditioning. And oh, I will same here. <laughs> same. I don't think my air conditioner has switched off yet to, um, today. It clicked on around 7 in the morning. And and I have it set in the when I'm home working at 74 degrees, and it has not gone off yet. It has not stopped running, and we record well into the evening here, and because um, it, it is in the mid, it, it is. I think it hit. It was supposed to hit 107 or something, wow. and I don't think it quite got that high. So. But uh, but that was it. So yeah, and, and I had but you know I had a nice Father's Day this past week. Um, it, you know, talked to the kids and got all the news. Talked to my granddaughter. Heard about all her softball tournaments and things like that. Um, you know, my my son got a new teaching position, so that's the exciting news. He's very excited about that. In the he he's in the high school. He wanted to get a full-time job in so that's was really terrific news to hear then i bought new patio furniture and i thought i'm gonna build it father's day and i'm gonna sit out there and drink some lemonade under an umbrella um, for the front patio the little courtyard we have here in front of the house and i opened these instructions I should post them. The worst instructions ever made. They, they're they only topped by the Barbie dream house I built for my daughter one Christmas Eve, which was horrendous. <laughs> these, these, all it does is list pictures of screws. And it doesn't even tell you, like, what length they are. So you don't even know what screw size you're supposed to use on this thing. And then these goofy little tools they give you to build it. I didn't even get through one chair because I thought it was going to be in the seventies. It was significantly higher than that. And so, and I had a cutoff time four o'clock because I, there then I wanted to work on the show in the, in, you know, in late in the afternoon and evening. Yeah. And so I gave up. And so it's still sitting out there half built. <laughs> in the side yard and i still have another chair two ottomans and a table to build and i thought this is not going to go well (laughs) i'm thinking of going on our town's facebook page and um saying (laughs) saying if there's like a high schooler that needs a job building um (laughs) patio furniture (laughs) Uh, i mean that's a that's a perfect job (laughs) so for someone yeah it'll probably take them an hour (laughs) to do but that's an hour 
that gives you time to do anything else. And that's important. Yeah, yeah really, as long as it's built well. But anyway, I'll get to it. But yeah. that was it. That's that, that's my, that that was it. But I thought I had a great Father's Day. So and did you, how about yours? Did you... Uh, yeah, it was nice. I, you know, um, it, unfortunately for my mother, uh, <laughs> Father's Day and her birthday <laughs> fell on the exact same day, so oh. we had to do a little double celebrating. And you know, it happens every couple of years. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say exactly every seven years, but it it feels like it happens more often than it doesn't for for some reason. So uh, it was one of those years where we, we got to all celebrate together as a family and just knock it all out at once. But yeah, it's it, it, as nice as it could be. I'll just say good, that. Good, good. And now the sad thing, though, about the first day of summer is that now the days get shorter. I like the longer days. I don't. And it, oh, really? <laughs> no. Oh, why not? No, I'm I'm a short day, and give me all the darkness. I I get really bad <laughs> headaches when it comes uh-huh. to brightness. So uh, I I desperately desperately despise anything like that and um like so much that i put blackout curtains in our our living room and i just i like leaving them completely closed all the time much to my wife's just uh, agony she absolutely hates it but yeah i'll bet um, you sounds like you could grow mushrooms in your living room (laughs) you know what it keeps keeps the uh Keeps the price of air conditioner down, so that's I can, true. I can only complain so much. That's true. I leave my my um, my window coverings open in the family room, which faces west, because the cats like to watch the birds and squirrels. And now the raccoons. Apparently, a neighbor's told me the raccoons are back, so they like to watch those. So. I love raccoons. I do too. Little little uh, little garbage bandits. Yeah, they're misunderstood. <laughs> Yes, they are. There, there's a Disney movie I loved as a kid. It was called Rascal. And uh, I think I have it. Um, but I loved it. It was about a boy. I think it was um, Bill Mooney who was in you know Lost in Space. And he adopts, uh, I think, an orphaned raccoon. And it's sort of his story of what he goes through during the summer with this little raccoon. And uh, I'll have to rewatch that. But it's a good movie if anybody um, has that or... It's of course it's not available on Disney Plus. I know I have it on my DVR because I recorded it one of the nights of uh, Treasures from the Disney Vault. But I'll have to I'll have to go back and make sure I still have it. Delete it off there. I think I have it on um, Disney's. They they sent they had these DVDs that were called Disney Dogs, and it was it was a set of two, and it had like four movies on each, and one was all the Shaggy Dog. Movies and then the others were all the obscure ones, and Rascal was one of them on there. So, anyway, that's it. If you listen to the live Disunplugged podcast on our recent podcast, Cruise 7.0, you heard me say that I'd read a book on the history of Disney Cruise Lines. The book I read was Hidden Treasures of the Disney Cruise Line, Nautical Notes, Knowledge, and Nonsense by Disney historian and author Jim Corcus. Well, with people starting to get back to taking vacations and also with the Disney wish now 
docking at Port Canaveral this week, we thought it would be fun to have Jim back to share some stories about Disney Cruise Line. Jim, welcome back to Connecting with Walt. Yeah, ahoy. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming me aboard. I wish I had me talking parrot on me shoulder. It would make the show much more interesting as we seek the treasures of the Disney Cruise Line. It be chocolate I'm after. Seize chocolate, because it don't exist out here in Florida. And uh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That was very good. You, you, you could pass for Long John Silver there. <laughs> uh, well, you know, a lot of people uh, forget. You know, you, you tend to put people into little uh, niches. And so, you know, oh, well, he's a Disney historian. He's the, he's the Disney expert. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that I have a, uh, an extensive background in performing, even for Disney. Uh, and if you really want to try and track down a hidden treasure, try and track down uh, the syndicated half-hour uh, show that um, Walt Disney World produced called Secrets of the Animal Kingdom. I was the narrator for that show and the voice of uh, a dozen different animals, among other things. Um, and, 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 of course, I was the friend of Merlin the Magician looking for the new temporary royal ruler of Fantasyland. Oh, dear. And uh, also Prospector Pet and Frontierland, an old gold miner. <laughs> so I, I've, I've done some performing for Disney. and. Uh, I also have a, a background as a teacher because, of course, I never n knew which job I would be out of work from. <laughs> so I always wanted to have uh, uh, some options. Um, but, uh, uh, yes, and, and again, you know, I started off that way because I, I want the listeners to uh, understand that while I take my work very, very seriously, I never take myself seriously. <laughs> you know, uh, when people say, oh, well, you're Jim Corcus, the Disney historian. And I said, yep, that and 25 bucks will buy me a cup of coffee anywhere on Disney property. <laughs> yeah, that's about the going right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my gosh, you know, it, it, uh, we talk about, you know, even when Disneyland opened in 1955, they talked about how expensive the experience was, which is why there was the creation of um, uh, ticket books, because with ticket books, that was a set price so that you knew that if you paid, um, you know, uh, uh, $2 and 50 cents, you'd get admission to the park and you'd get 10 attractions. So because uh, Walt's competitors were saying, oh, don't go to Disneyland. It'll cost you uh, $40 a day to go there to Disneyland. So um, to undercut that, uh, did the ticket books, which was also a great idea because in, uh, people were then spread out throughout the park because mm -hmm. you had all these different tickets that you could use. Today, uh, you know, with that one price, uh, a a one-day Disney ticket is so expensive that you feel... I know friends who feel, well, I've got to ride on uh, Expedition Everest uh, 10 times in a row in order to get value for the money that I'm paying to get into the Disney park. And and that was never 
you know, Walt's intent. Walt's intent was this should be affordable for everybody and, and that, that you shouldn't have to rush to an e-ticket attraction. You should be able to have time to discover some of these other, you know, little treasures, um, uh, in, in the parks. And, and that's the same philosophy with the Disney cruise line is, is it, it's just packed with, with all these wonderful little things. And, and most people, and I'm including myself on this, I've been on 10 different cruises. Most people, myself included, miss an awful lot of this, mm-hmm. which is, which is one of the reasons I, I, I wrote the book because they're, there are plenty of books. There are plenty of websites that will uh, help you get a discount on the cruise line, or what is the best cabin you 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 should get, or what is the best uh, shore excursion, or uh, you know uh, whatever. And I thought, but Disney is a storytelling company, and the Disney Cruise Line is wonderful at telling stories and. What is, what is frustrating, but I, I guess also exciting, is that each of the cruise ships are telling a different story, and they have different details and different things uh, to discover. I, I know that you were just recently on, on the Disney Dream. Uh, I, I wonder how many people on, on the Deck 3 entrance to uh, the Walt Disney Theater who are standing there look up at the ceiling because there's a Disney Zodiac in bronze up there. Mm-hmm. So, so for, uh, uh, Aries, the Ram, you have, uh, 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 Merlin, who was a, a goat at one point in, in, uh, uh, sword in the stone, uh, uh, for the crab, uh, uh, you have Sebastian, all of this. And, uh, you know, uh, we're so, intent in in getting to a, a location we don't take the time to just walk and and look down look up you know look on on the on the on the sides you know and ask yourself you know what is that and why is that there and and disney is no <laughs> help at all uh, uh, the, the line from, uh, the Walt Disney company is we want you to enjoy the joy of discovery. Well, I find that very frustrating because it means I miss different things. You know, on, on the Disney dream up there on, on, on deck five, you have the steering wheel for captain hooks, Jolly Roger pirate ship. And you have a, a throttle uh, to the side, and there's no sign. Uh, and and I asked cast members, and cast members c- couldn't help me. But I just discovered on my own that if you spin the wheel, suddenly in front of you, the map to Neverland comes alive. It's an LED screen, and you can pilot the Jolly Roger through uh, the Pirates Cove of Neverland. However, there's no instructions. So you don't know what you're supposed to do. And, and so by accident, I found, oh, I, I could go over this way and, and, and get the treasure chest. But then other things started happening. Tiki torches started burning. There, there were people gathering on the pier. Was I supposed to go get them on the pier? And 
And and what is this throttle? Sometimes when I pushed it forward, the ship would move forward, and and sometimes it wouldn't, you know? And so I don't find that as the joy of discovery, (laughs) (laughs) especially since I love Captain Hook, and I would have loved to have piloted uh, the Jolly Roger, and and I spent much more time (laughs) than I probably should have, you know, at that darn thing. And, And again... Sometimes even cast members aren't told, you know, it's like, oh, yes, yes. You, you know, you're just, ah, let me get my grumpy well, old man cane and wave it in the air and, and, well, and grumble about this. Well, stuff. That's why I enjoyed your book, Hidden Treasures of the Disney Cruise Line, so much, because you have so much of that information in your book, all those stories that we would otherwise never know about. But in your book, you go way back to the beginning. I mean, you go to yes. the roots, to Walt and Roy, and mm-hmm. how their families took many cruises. Oh, um, oh yeah. Well, well, because you've got to realize that in the 30s and the, and the, the 40s, even into the 50s, there's no uh, transatlantic flights anywhere. If you needed to go somewhere, you took a cruise ship. And and going from New York uh, uh, to Europe uh, it would be about a five seven day journey. And uh, uh, Walt's daughter Diane Disney Miller, who I knew, um, told me it would drive her father crazy because there was not enough to do. And and so one time he got into a shuffleboard tournament with uh, a, a group of priests <laughs> because there was <laughs> nothing to do on the ship. You know, and um, uh, but that that that's what you did. You know that that's where the song comes from. I'd like to get you on a slow boat to China. That's exactly what it was, and that's why. Also, Walt never went to Asia because it would take too long, and he'd be away from his business too long. However, you know, he did take a, a, a couple of cruises, you know, to Hawaii, and. Um, you know, uh, and, and and remember, this is the golden age of cruising. And so, you know, you have um, uh, elaborate cabins, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's what Michael Eisner, who is CEO, wanted to recapture with the Disney Cruise Line is he said that, uh, you know, he had experienced a, a, a little of that, but that the modern cruise ships look like hotels. And it, it lost that romance of cruising and, and the romance of cruising that that uh, Walt I- experienced. So Walt took uh, uh, cruises uh, uh, to Europe. He took them to South America. He took them to Hawaii. Uh, but again, uh, uh, you know, it couldn't take longer cruises because, uh, again, he's he's running a business and he's he's juggling all of that. And and he took along Roy and Roy's wife because Roy was his best friend. You know, uh, when you look back, he he really didn't have, um, you know, any close relations with uh, uh, anybody at at the studio. And and you can sort of understand that because when you're the boss, you're the boss. You you don't want to be the friend because then how do you criticize that person or how do you fire that person? Um, 
and and he tried to be a friend back in the 30s but what would happen is the wives of some of the animators would would corner him at a party and say how come my husband isn't making more money how come oh. you haven't moved him <laughs> over to this and so Walt stopped going to those parties mhm so well it, and uh, and even like uh, on all the Disney cruise ships there is a photo of Walt and Lillian from mm-hmm. one of those cruises that are on there yes. which is a nice nod back to back to the origins of the cruise lines and and I love the fact that uh, the ships have you know photos of Walt, you know, because I I think an awful lot of times Walt has uh, been forgotten by the company. Uh, you, you know when they did the um, uh, hundred years of magic back in uh, uh, two thousand and one, which was you know a hundred years since the birth of Walt Disney. Uh, uh, Even then, the Walt Disney Company was having problems because they would go to schools and things like this, and and they found that um, uh, uh, most people felt, most young people felt that uh, uh, Walt was a a made-up person, like Betty Mm -hmm. Crocker, or he was just a figurehead like uh, Colonel Sanders, who was a real person, but really didn't have uh, a day-to-day hands-on uh, uh, impact onto onto the company. And, uh, you know, even uh, uh, Diane uh, felt very upset that the Disney company would market Walt on, on mugs and T-shirts and all that, like another Disney character, like a piece of merchandise, rather than treating him as a... Uh, uh, a son, a brother, uh, a uh, a father, a grandfather, you know, that he was a real person. And uh, so I'll be interested to see what happens with uh, Disney's uh, upcoming uh, uh, celebration of 100 years of the Disney company, uh, how much uh, Walt will be in that celebration. Yeah, yeah, Walt and Roy. Mm-hmm. So now, now another topic that you cover is, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners are familiar with the that incredible Tokyo Disney Sea theme park, but they not <laughs> they may not know it has its roots in California's port of Long Beach. Yes. So what's the story? How did it jump from Long Beach to Tokyo? Here, <laughs> <laughs> because as Marty Scalar says, uh, Imagineering never throws away a good idea. You know, it'll, it it can always come, come back around because at the time, maybe there's not the money or the technology or whatever. So, um, Michael Eisner had wanted the Disneyland hotel. He was really upset that there was a hotel called the Disneyland hotel and was not owned by the Disney company. And also that it was, uh, falling into poor quality. And uh, it was owned by Jack Rather, who was a friend of, of uh, uh, Walt's, and uh, uh, Walt had, had given him uh, a uh, 99-year lease on the Disneyland Hotel and uh, the uh, ability to build other hotels in Southern California called Disneyland Hotel, and that Disney would not build anything to compete with that. 
and uh, rather was quite an entrepreneur. He, he owned uh, the Lone Ranger. He owned Lassie, all of this. And he also purchased uh, the Queen Mary. And uh, uh, Howard Hughes's Spruce Goose. And he installed them down there in Long Beach as a uh, tourist attraction. Well, when Eisner was finally able uh, to buy uh, the Rather Company, along with it came the Queen Mary and the Spruce Goose. And a, a little area in between them called London Town, which had little shops and, and stuff like that. Um, and so Eisner went about trying to make this a, um, a second, you know, park destination, you know, where, where if you went to Disneyland, you could actually get a free ticket to drive down to Long Beach to the Queen Mary and, uh, uh, uh the Spruce Goose. That's but, what we uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but despite all the efforts, people didn't want to drive down to, <laughs> to Long yeah. Beach, despite the fact that they installed special tours on on the Queen Mary, a ghost tour, a celebrity mm-hmm. tour, uh, you know uh, those type of things. They they hired celebrity lookalikes. Uh, I I knew the guy who played Howard Hughes, who uh, when you went to see the Spruce Goose, he'd talk about the Spruce Goose and all this. Uh, so obviously it needed to be larger, and Eisner was looking to create, you know, another Southern California park so you could make uh southern california a vacation destination like walt disney world was a vacation destination so the plan they came up with was they were going to create they were going to expand the whole area around uh queen mary and spruce goose with hotels and shops and a cruise port and um ferry boats and uh, uh displays of uh uh, antique ships and all of this, and, and, and it was going to be called um, uh, Port uh, Port Disney, and then Long Beach blew up because it had Port Long Beach, and they thought that this was in competition. So they changed the name to Disney Sea, and so uh, there was going to be a uh, uh, a Disney Sea theme park that all of these things would spoke out from. And um, uh, there would be all sorts of uh, uh, different lands and uh, uh, attractions. And, um, you know, they they did up uh, concept art and uh, uh, proposals. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the sections was uh, uh, going to be um, Mysterious Island. And uh, Mysterious Island would have uh, Captain Nemo's um, Nautilus submarine that you could you could uh, go on, you know, uh, just like at Tokyo Disney Seas. Mm-hmm. And, and Disneyland uh, Paris, it's a walkthrough attraction. Right? Yeah, and and then there would be Nemo's uh, lava cruiser, where suspended uh, guests in ore carts. Uh, would, uh, you know, zip through underground caverns in the volcano that would eventually erupt, you know, very much like the journey to the center of the Earth's uh, 
uh, attraction uh, out there. And, and, and there were uh, similar things, you know, in, in courting, in, including, you know, uh, that, um, a, a boardwalk, uh, type area that you see it uh, there and, and a Sinbad, the sailor, uh, you know, uh, attraction. So, um, a lot of the things that were, were developed, uh, for, uh, Disney sea, um, uh, the Oriental Land Company did, was here, <laughs> looking at all of this stuff being developed, and uh, uh, decided, "Hey, this is already developed, so we don't have to pay for you know research and development. We can uh, move it." That you know, Tokyo uh, Disneyland was going to develop a, an area called Mickeyville, which which was uh, uh, based on. Um, uh, you know, uh, Mickey Mouse in fun and fancy free, so a, mm-hmm. a medieval type setting, and and it was going to be a location uh, uh, to uh, for meet and greet, you know, uh, Mickey. But at the time, they saw that Imagineering was uh, a developing Toontown, and they said, well, even though development has started on Mickeyville, to heck with that. Toontown's already designed. That's what we'll do. Uh, and so the same thing with um, uh, Disney Sea, because again, the people in Long Beach, you know, Eisner thought this was a slam dunk. You know, my gosh, people are going to welcome this because look at all the tax money they're going to get. Look at all the jobs. Look at all the people who are coming in, and they'll spend that at um, you know uh, related businesses and all of that. And it turned out that people said. Eh. And uh, they were worried about traffic. They they were worried about the fact that Disney was requiring them, uh, you know, to to put in some uh, uh, infrastructure things, and and then they worried about the environmental impact. And um, basically, what happened is that Eisner and Frank Wells were were big supporters of this project, but Frank Wells passed away. And um, also, uh, Euro Disney started to hemorrhage money. So a lot of the things that Eisner had proposed for the Disney decade just ceased to exist. But uh, yes, uh, uh, Disney Sea would have been a uh, uh, a port for cruise ships, you know, and and would have had. Oh, it, 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 it would have had a monorail going up and down through, uh, by each of the hotels that were being built. So you could hop the monorail and then go, you know, directly, directly into the park. Um, but, well, you know, it, we, it, 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 it's, it's what might have been, you, it you is. know, because we, we talked uh, off mic earlier about uh, Texas, you know. Yeah, where we, at, at one? Go ahead. No, no, we got Disney's California Adventure instead. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, Disney California's Adventure had some of the things designed for Disney's America out in Virginia. Yes. yes. But it also had some things uh, that were designed for for uh, uh, Disney Sea, inclu- including you know 
that uh, Ferris wheel and uh, Midway and 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 all of that, you know. And and again, the initial mistake with um, Disney's California Adventure is that they didn't have Imagineering do it because that would have been too expensive. I, I don't think people realize this. I, you know, I worked at Disney. I, I, I wrote uh, the original um, uh, script uh, for the um, Undiscovered Future World Tour at Epcot. And at one point, uh, Imagineering stepped in and said, you can't write that tour. And I, I said, why not? And, and and they, I, I said it, it's been approved by my manager. You know, it, it, guest relations is is handling all of this. You know, there are other tours at, at at the other parks, and they said it has to be reviewed by Imagineering. And um, an Imagineer costs <laughs> two hundred dollars an hour. Oh my or goodness! Any, or any portion of. So if he works one hour and 10 minutes, that's $400. And, and so I talked with my manager and I said, look, this is a good thing. You know, Imagineering has access to material and knowledge, you know, that I don't know. So, you know, uh, it, it's great for them to review and, and they'll add in things that we didn't even know. So it, it, it'll be worth the money. And I had dealt with, similar situations. So what I purposely did is I put in five obviously completely absurd and untrue facts. And the reason I did that is because I knew when they review that, they're going to be looking for something. And if they see one of those, you know, flashing neon lights, they'll get rid of that and they think they're doing their job and they'll just bypass <laughs> some of the other stuff. I don't want to tell you how much it ended up costing us. We got back the script. There were no changes. Those five absurd, outrageous facts and statements were still there in the script. And oh I removed goodness. it. But it was like, nope. And, and so Imagineering is an expensive thing. And so they didn't have Imagineering work on the original version of Disney California uh, Adventure. Um, uh, they had the Disney Development uh, uh, Company uh, work on that, who, who had built other things, you know, like the Disney Institute out here and all of that. And uh, so that's one of the reasons it didn't, quite work and then also the fact that you know people live in california why are you going to go to a california park you could go to the real thing you know a half hour away um but getting back to the original point some of the things designed for disney seas ended up there at california adventure because as marty scalar once said you know uh, Imagineering never throws away a good idea. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they put it in the vault and then later, you know, you, you'll pull it out and, Hey, you know, we've got the technology now, or we've got the budget now, or we've got the people who can understand to really make this work. 
Let, let's pull this out. And and at the same time Eisner was doing Disney Seas, he was also doing uh, Westcott. And so he was playing Anaheim off against uh, Long Beach. You know, which one of you is going to give us, you know, the best deal type thing? And as a result, he, he lost both. Yeah, I was wondering how much truth there was to the fact he was playing one against the other. Oh, oh gosh. I'd always no, read that. It, it, uh, Eisner was quite the, um, gosh, I don't want to say businessman, but, um, you know, he, he, he would manipulate things. He, you know, out here in Florida, uh, the reason we got Pleasure Island is because he saw Church Street Station. And it was pulling money away from Disney. So he created his version of Church Street Station. You know, the reason we got Animal Kingdom is not because, oh, Walt loved animals. We got Animal Kingdom because Eisner was teed off about Bush Gardens, which had animals and thrill rides. So Animal Kingdom was going to have animals and thrill rides. It didn't end up with the thrill rides because it started to cost so much money for the animals <laughs> that it went wildly over budget. So it was like, well, in phase two, we'll have the thrill rides, you know? Um, so, uh, Eisner was known for, uh, I, the reason we have Disney MGM studios is Eisner wanted to un- undercut, uh, universal studios, Orlando that announced that it was going to build out here, you know? Um, I, Eisner was that kind of a guy. Uh, Iger is the type of a guy of we don't need to create international inter, um, intellectual property. We can purchase intellectual property like the Muppets, like Star Wars, like Marvel. And, and he made some good calls on that. But um, it, it was based on the fact of Boy, we're we're working so hard to create intellectual property. Why don't we already get something that's out there that looks like it'll work and we'll plus it Disney plus it. Well, you know what? We're going to have to lay anchor here right now. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna set sail next week and hear even more stories from Jim about the history of the Disney Cruise Lines. But now it's time for This Week in Disney History. All right, Craig, I think it's your turn to start this week. Yes, I do believe it's my turn to start this week, and I have another fun choice, always lighthearted, because that's how I have to keep it. Uh, But anyways, uh, my choice is coming all the way directly from the year 1957. It happened on June 29th of that year, and uh, my fun fact is that uh, it was on that day that Dave Brubuck... uh, uh, the uh, jazz musician and his mm-hmm. quartet recorded the album Dave Div's Dave Diggs Disney, and uh, it didn't release until way later. But this is when it actually recorded, and apparently, I didn't know this that he ended up getting the inspiration to record the album after visiting Disneyland. So it's it wasn't like just oh I like the movies and you know that's I wanted to do my take on it Disneyland literally sparked him 
to actually, you know, record that album. And it is one of those, uh, one of those records that I just sit down and listen to. If I need to like really relax, I can put it on mm-hmm. uh, while I'm working and it'll help me concentrate. You know, it's, I feel like it's, it was like the precursor to then the awesomeness that is the Carthay Circle albums that, uh, is yes. The, solo uh you know jazz albums that they play in in carthay circle that are also just very very relaxing but you know it, it, it to me it started with dave brubeck so uh, a big a big day at least in my opinion for one of my favorite I, albums i agree and he's one of my favorite jazz artists um i have some of his other cds and uh, but and you know years ago and I think it was Nancy Johnson from our Disneyland show who let me know is then they re-released that album years ago with a, an extended version of it yes. and I think it was a two CD set and I have that one too. Yeah, so. and uh, if you can't still find the physical ones, you can still listen to both of them on uh, on all streaming services: Apple Music, Spotify all the big ones. So you yeah. can still hear it all. I highly recommend going out and giving it a listen. I do. You know, he used to come uh, to a university here. I think it was University of the Pacific um, in here in Sacramento. And he would perform um, every summer here as part of the of a university program that he was involved in, uh, you know, until um, he just wasn't able to anymore. And then he passed. But uh, but that was always you know a highlight of the summer out in the Sacramento area. Yeah, that's I I mean obviously way before my time, but I would have loved to have seen him perform. Yeah, actually, it, it wasn't too much before your time. I mean, he did it till he was quite old. So yeah, um, I know. I think because I have his. Um, I have his uh, Christmas album, and I want to say that that was recorded. It might even have been recorded in the nineties, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I uh, m- my parents weren't letting me choose the concerts back at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so well, mine is June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty seven, and this goes back to Snow White though, when she is rece- she receives the one hundred. 1,850th star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And this is uh, in celebration of the 50th anniversary of the film. And this made her the third animated character to receive a star. Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck were the first ones. And special guests included animators um, Ward Kimball, Mark Davis, and Art Babbitt as well as Adriana Casalotti, who was the original voice of Snow White. And her star is right across from um, Man's Chinese Theater. And so I just thought that was cool. I love Snow White. And I just thought that was very historic, that she got got her star there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a nice commemoration for for that milestone film so last week we talked about eric larson and one of the things i discovered after we recorded that episode was i had known that eric larson had written an autobiography but he had only printed enough uh books for like his friends and so it was really not 
available. Well, I did a little searching around and found out because I'd heard rumors it was going to be reprinted. And sure enough, I found out it had been reprinted and it was, um, it's called, I think it's, I'm trying to find, have, oh, here it is. It's called 50 Years in the Mouse House, The Lost Memoir of One of um, Disney's Nine Old Men. And so it was reprinted, and J.B. Kaufman and, um, was, and Didier Getz were involved in it. And they've added to it, because um, Eric Larson's bio- autobiography was, very, was somewhat brief. But so they've added some of, his, of Eric Larson's drawings to it. They've also added some of Eric Larson's um, memoirs. I'm, I'm sorry, some of his um, notes from uh, his lectures that he gave when he was teaching animators and and some of his essays and things like that in there. So it's a really nice book. So if you enjoyed our our episode last week, you want to read a little more about Eric, you might want to go on Amazon or something and find that one, 50 Years in the Mouse House, The Lost Memoir of One of Disney's Nine Old Men, because it's back out there again. A listener also wrote me, remember I talked about that I thought Bob Iger had fired someone who was his successor. Well, a listener wrote me and told me who it was. It was Tom Staggs that Bob Iger fired. I don't know if you remember that, Craig. Um, maybe I just misremembered it. I didn't. I I know he, Tom Staggs left, but I think it was because he was pissed off that he wasn't getting it. That's what I always thought it was. Not that he actually. Oh, okay. Fired. Yeah, I I might have been. I don't know. Well, and I might be, too. But anyway, but it was Tom Staggs left because he didn't get what he wanted there or Bob Iger saw him as a threat. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did leave. That's the that's the (laughs) big thing. And it was because regardless of if it was on his own accord or not, it was because he wasn't taken over. Unfortunately, he probably would have been good at it. Yeah, probably. Couldn't be worse than what we've got now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Have you seen Lightyear? No, I didn't go yet, but uh, hopefully hopefully soon. Yeah, I was hoping to go on Father's Day, but that chair just took any any initiative i had out of me that i was trying to build no i i mean it, you know the buzz is that it's a bomb but you know people were saying oh it's going to make 150 million dollars was the projection i had always heard the projection was 70 million so the fact that it made 51 million i thought well that's not too much below and some of these disney films they you know they they might start out slow but then they they sort of they sort of keep chugging along and then and they do end up doing pretty well so i don't know if lightyear is going to be one of those yeah but you know i'm not sure if you know it didn't do well because people got confused and thought you know where's buzz and you know where's woody and slinky dog and you know all of those characters and didn't realize this is the film that you know the buzz lightyear action figure was based on or um then there was the whole controversy over the voice the tim allen didn't voice him i thought you know i had action figures when i was a boy and one or two of them talked and they didn't necessarily they weren't necessarily voiced by the character that like who voiced them in the films 
Yeah. So that didn't seem like a big deal to me. Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, I, I never really added a lot of stock to that one that, you know, the voice is different because I, I say literally look at, look at Toy Story Land for an example. Like, I love Tom Hanks, but let's not beat around the bush and try to pretend like Tom Hanks's brother sounds exactly like him. Um, he, <laughs> he doesn't. It's, it is slightly off. So is Chris Evans too far off from uh, Tim Allen? Yeah, probably. But you know what? I I think he can still stretch it. I, I, I can still, I can at least step back and be like, okay, if they're going to make a toy based on this movie, you know, they're, it's not going to sound the exact same. Uh, but you know what? I, I, I can let that go. And honestly, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was, was going to say, I agree with you. I, the voice isn't a big deal to me. Yeah, and I was just going to say really with it that I I hope it has long legs and it you know it ends up being good for them. I mean, it, it's a double-edged sword because would I also be happy if you know it just completely bombed and and that really let them know like hey, we are we promise now we are done with uh we're done with sequels and mm-hmm. and anything based off of you know products that we've already done yeah i would i'd be very happy with that uh, for sure i would because be too i would be too I, I think that's what they need to do however that being said uh i also do um you know i i think that i <laughs> It's not in terms of if you're going to make sequels and stuff. This one did have me interested. Not enough to rush out like right away. I want to see it while it's still in the Dolby Theater and see it in the best way possible. But mm-hmm. uh, it just was a thing where it, with the holiday, with not holiday, but with Father's Day and, and uh, you know, my mom's birthday, it just didn't work out time-wise. But I'll, I'll still get around to it. But yeah. I am concerned about it because... You have uh, you have Despicable Me, the new Minions movie coming out in, I think, two weeks, and that's that could kill it. I mean, that could just leave uh, Lightyear dead in the water if people flock to that, and if they have a choice between two family movies and they choose that one, which I could very well see happen, especially for families who have Disney Plus. And I, I've seen this argument that people are saying, well, we know it's going to come to Disney Plus eventually, so what's the point of rushing out to see it? All the other exactly. Pixar and, movies have. I, exactly. And the last three Pixar films weren't in the theater. Mm-hmm. So, it, so you know, I think Disney sort of shot themselves in the foot, too, with that. I, I agree. Well, yep, they got... in. I it's not my original idea. It's stuff I read from other people that I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. And I I'm sure we mentioned it at some point every time they they did just release another movie to Disney Plus, but they really did condition uh the audience to know that Pixar movies are going to be on Disney Plus. So yeah, kind of had to break that if you want to get people to the theaters and maybe this is just a nice first step into it but uh it's hopefully hopefully it doesn't really have a bigger impact on the long run yeah yeah and well speaking of remakes it was announced this week hercules they're making a live action film by guy ritchie who did the live action version of aladdin so is this is this the film we've all been waiting for the remake we've all been waiting for 
Yeah, I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I see it. I guess that's how I'm going to feel. Um, yeah, when I'm sitting down in a theater, then I'll be like, yep, that's, that's a thing that's actually happening. So one that I saw, because on Father's Day, I thought I wanted to watch something fun after being in the heat, building half a chair and making dinner. Well, actually, I ordered dinner. And I've watched, this is the one that you told me I would love, uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Oh, finally. Finally, I got around to it. This was terrific. I had so much fun. I laughed out loud in several yeah. places. I, It was just so crazy and zany. I really enjoyed it. And it had heart, though. And with all the zaniness and all that, you really cared about this family. And uh, I, it was well done. Uh, I, I would love to again. I don't like sequels, but I would love to see this family again. Oh, you know, too. in something else. So uh, it, it was really creative. So I would say, folks, if you haven't watched this, it's on Netflix, right? Yes, is that um, what it's on? It, yep, it's on Netflix, and it's a Netflix movie. I know it's also been released uh, physically too. So, mm-hmm. uh, you can, you can buy it at home if you want, but yeah, it's, it's not leaving Netflix. So go watch it there. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great animated film. So anyway, well, that's it for today. So Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, you can find me, uh, you know, on all the different Dis Unplugged podcast network shows that I'm appearing on. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. You can email me at Craig at DisneyInfo.com. But what about you, Michael? Well, right now you can't email me. <laughs> so um we're working on uh, my my email account is 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 not working at the moment. So um stay tuned for news about uh, my new email account with the Diz. But in the meantime, I'm on Twitter at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm michaelbowling-connecting with Walt. Instagram, I'm michaelbowlingthediz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at connectingwalt. If you'd like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studios, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes on the link Craig includes in our show notes or disneyplug.com. Look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, and Amazon podcasts. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. (laughs) 